Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is the Demon Inside Podcast. I'm your host, John Benham. If you would like to review another episode of the Demon Inside, you can go to Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and any podcast platform. And please, don't forget to subscribe and rate us with five stars. A new episode will come out once a week. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. We are learning new details this new neighbors say a mother suspected of killing four of her five children and husband was depressed over her father's death, but otherwise was a loving mother and wife. Channel 2's Liz Arts is live in Gwinnett County where police say the woman called 911 this morning, Liz. Hey, Carol, uh, detectives have been out here at the scene now for seven hours. I'll step out of the way and give you a live look. They are just now starting to take down the crime scene tape seven hours into this. Neighbors told us that family was so concerned yesterday about this woman that uh, someone stopped by. They told us that they could hear somebody inside, but nobody came to the door. She seemed so good and happy, and she loved her kids. I don't know. I don't really know what happened. Did she seem like a good mother? Yeah, she was a good mother. Definitely, she was a good mother. Neighbors who woke up to a massive police scene surrounding their homes Thursday off Emory Lane were stunned to learn the crime. Detectives are investigating. The suspect we have in custody is the wife-slash-mother of the victims involved. Four children under the age of 10, their father, police say in his mid-30s, all stabbed to death. Another child severely injured was rushed to a local hospital their mother is accused of killing them our cameras were rolling as family gathered in the street and hugged letty perez told us the mother was depressed over the death of her father in mexico she said her dad passed away months ago i think and i think she was in the depression or something like that we we go to her house sometimes and pray with her for about her dad we were all shocked one neighbor said the family hadn't been seen all wednesday so unusual they sent a cousin to check on them around four in the afternoon one of uh, their cousins came and knocked on the door nobody were answering and i was just got suspicious but the 911 call was not made until four in the morning thursday neighbors say they saw the family last on the fourth of july in good spirits and celebrating they were really happy on the fourth of july they were like they were like any typical family And we just got an update from police on the child still in the hospital. They have confirmed that it is a female, and they have also confirmed that she is uh, serious but still alive. My colleague Tony Thomas will be out here throughout the day today. He will have all updates as far as arrests, any updates to this case starting at 4 o'clock on Channel 2 Action News. Live in Gwinnett County, Liz Arts, Channel 2 Action News. Stay with Channel 2 Action News for continuing coverage. We have a team of reporters working to find out more details about the surviving child and the family. We will also post any updates throughout the day on our WSB Twitter and Facebook pages. And we'll bring you the very latest on this tragic story beginning this afternoon on Channel 2 Action News at 4. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to the Demon Inside. I am your host, John Venom. 
And today we're going to be talking about the demon inside, Maria Isabel Guardano Martinez. So, because the name is so long, she's from Mexico, what they usually do is take the mother and the father's name together. Uh, I will be calling her Isabel because that's what her family called her. They didn't call her Maria, they called her Isabel. So, Isabel was born in 1989 in Benito Juarez, Michoacan, in Mexico. She came to the U.S. at 20 for a better life. She met a guy, got pregnant, and had a girl named Isabella. The father of Isabella didn't want anything to do with her, and he left. A little time later, she met her future husband, Martin Romero. They were perfect together. In a few months of meeting each other, they moved in together and moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Chicago, Illinois. After they moved, they started having children. They had four children together. They had Diana, Dakota, Axel, and Dylan. And of course, uh, Isabella was taken in by her stepdad, who was more than happy to accept her as his daughter. In 2017, they moved back to Georgia where he had family. And his family describes them as the perfect couple. They were the ideal couple. They were so happy and they were just the best parents and they were so much in love. She was a devout Catholic who took her kids to church every Sunday with her husband. Her mother had raised her that way, not just her, but her sisters. They were all devoted Catholics, but her mother was a little extreme. In the town in Michigan where she was from, the townspeople said that she was, the mom was very religious and that her girls were raised to be one with God, to respect God and to give themselves to God. And this has a lot to play with what's happening. So because she was a devout Catholic, a couple of weeks before the 4th of July, Isabel's father passed away in Mexico. Since Isabel was here in the United States illegally, she could not go and attend his funeral. It was said that her father was a practicing witch. When he passed on, and according to Isabel, her father would be sent to hell for an eternity. She was devastated and became depressed. Keep in mind, she was very aware of her situation. She felt something evil around her days before the family massacre. Isabel herself told police she went to a priest two weeks before the attack and told him there were bad people chasing her. The priest told her she was sick and it was all in her head. After that, her husband took her to seek medical help. The doctor that she saw prescribed her with medication for severe mental depression. Her husband kept the pills with them because he was afraid she might try to overdose on them. Her husband decided to take her and the kids to Savannah for the 4th of July celebration. 
They would spend a couple of days there, but as they were playing in the ocean with the kids, Isabel said the waves of the ocean attempted to take her and her children away, and she just wanted to save them. She didn't feel comfortable in Savannah and asked her husband to take her home because she felt a devil-like spirit. She said she saw this as a sign of her father's soul calling out to her from hell. Two days later, on July 6, 2017, Isabel called 911 early in the morning. When paramedics arrived at her Loganville home, they found Isabel with her wrists slashed. Isabel's husband, Martin Romero, 33, was found stabbed to death. Along with 10-year-old Isabella Martinez, 2-year-old Axel Romero, 7-year-old Dakota Romero, and 4-year-old Dylan Martin Romero. Diana Romero, who was 9, was found with stab wounds and was still alive and taken to the hospital where she underwent surgery. The police brought Isabel to be interrogated. When asked what happened, she took a deep breath and smiled before beginning to explain. She said, She is innocent and hopes to be free once the investigation is complete. Isabel said a family friend who frequently visits the house was the one who stabbed her husband and children and cut her wrists when she tried to stop him. She repeatedly declined to identify the family friend, saying investigators would find the answers. At the crime scene, Bibles were placed on top of Martin Romero and by the children who were all left together on the same bed. But when the police asked the 90-year-old survivor, Diana, who had gone through a life-saving surgery, had a different story to tell. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. Before we continue our segment, you guys know that I drive Uber and I have customers that get in my car and uh, I always do a Uber shout out, which is a thing now. So I'm going to do an Uber shout out. This girl I picked up uh, from a Jelly Roll concert and she told me I better get the name right. So it's C. Bonet and she's from Eagle Pass. And it was the most fun ride I've had yet. Uh, as we were driving her, as I was driving her to the house, uh, she wanted tacos. So we pulled over at a taco place and man, they took forever. And she was asking me, uh, cause I have many jobs. And at that night I was actually doing two, which is driving Uber and I was doing security. And she was asking me how I did it. And I said, well, Right now, I'm kind of out and about, but I, if they ask, I'll tell them that I was in the bathroom. Well, it, we were going on like an hour and a half at this time, and she's like, oh my God, you must have irritable bowel syndrome or something. And we were cracking up. It was just the best. 
Uh, she actually introduced me to Jelly Roll because I had never heard his music, and it was actually pretty good. So, Sibone, thank you for an enjoyable ride. So she's the only one that I had from Uber, and I thought, you know what, since we're going ahead and doing this, let's do the comments as well, because I haven't done the comments in a while. And I know you guys like, send me comments on some of these episodes, so I'm going to read you some. One of the questions was, did the same demon possess Susan Smith and Ebony Wilkerson? This girl, Shrek, 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 she said, it seems kind of disrespectful, dismissive, and illogical to some things cases, to sum these cases up to demon possession. I, you know, my thing is this, it's a lot of people don't know why some of these people do the things they do. And this is just a different option. I'm not saying that it is demon possession. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just doing it in a perspective of what if it was demon possession. I, I mean nobody, any disrespect. And I really don't mean anybody any harm. Let's go to another comment. Is Adi Sanchez a psychic or a medium who speaks to the other side? H.D. Sarah said... Neither. She was demon-influenced. Then, uh, with the Amityville one, with uh, Butch, I wrote, Do you think Butch was possessed by a demon? Or is the house evil? Rob Thompson wrote, Junior was insane. The next one was uh, Nadia Rodriguez. And the question was, Why do you think she says we have to kill each other? I had three comments on this one. One was, I'm sorry if I'm getting these names wrong, but it's all like scrunch up. Samaharta Delhi. And she wrote, or he wrote, I believe wholeheartedly that it's demonic. Even when it's medical, even when it's delusional, it's always the devil. I suffered under demonic oppression and became a Christian. God bless. That's amazing. Thank you. I've actually met a woman. Uh, who told me that she was suffering from all these different symptoms and she found out that she was actually possessed and she gave herself over to the Lord and she has no problems now. Another answer for that one was Stacy Marie Jo who wrote, if demons exist, they say that people with mental health issues are one of the vulnerable groups demons target, along with children, the elderly, and the physically ill, etc. I agree with you. And Nunu, hey, Nunu, I don't know if you're a guy or a girl, but you're freaking awesome. Uh, you actually comment a lot of the times, and I would love for you to send me a message, if you could, to the Demon Inside Podcast at gmail.com. But Nunu wrote, maybe she thought he had a demon as well. So she killed the individual, then tried to kill herself, or she felt too guilty to see him live. And he, he or she wrote, Please post more episodes. I miss your podcast. Then on, on the interrogation of uh, Isabella Guzman, this is, it's not a name. I mean, if you want me to say your name, that'd be awesome. But these are a bunch of letters and numbers that I'm not even going to go through because it's a whole bunch. But this individual wrote, so crazy, I went to school with her. We used to be friends. 
that's amazing so Esme Esme Singh I did an episode on her and I wrote killing your mother would be a horrible experience do you think the person being possessed will forget so Nunu of course wrote no I think it would be hard forgetting that you killed your own parent the fact that she is not in jail and working in the community is crazier thank you for covering this story much appreciated and demon insiders this was amazing I can only read you this but I got into a lot of detail later on uh, through messenger and uh, I really respect this this woman so this was actually Esme K. This is Esme Singh, the actual person that I did the podcast on. And she sent me this message. She wrote, I was not possessed. I had done hallucinogens. But I know you have an agenda that you're using these stories for. Now, there was a whole bunch more that we talked about on Messenger. And I really do appreciate that you would contact me and we would talk about this and she says she was doing hallucinogens she never answered my question on where she got them the thing is when I do these stories and uh, when people say they do drugs you know a lot of times when you do the drugs the demons come into you because you have a your will is a lot less but in her case she was a very straight-a student she you know played piano she I mean she was amazing she is an amazing person and sometimes because the doctors tell you that there's no such thing as demon possession they make you believe that it could have been something else which was hallucinogens so I asked her if she could remember where she got them who she got them from because I would figure that a girl at 16 who was a straight-A student wouldn't be hanging around with people that would do hallucinogens. So I would really love an answer to that. If you're listening, that would be amazing. But I really do appreciate talking to you, and I really do hope for the best for you. So now let's continue back with the demon inside, Isabel Martinez. The lone survivor of the attack told investigators she saw her mother stab her sister. Dakota and her brother, Martin Jr. The mother told her daughter they were going to the religious clouds, she said. The surviving child disturbingly described how the first child she began stabbing, Axel, woke up, but she squeezed his nose shut and he suffocated. She told police her sister Dakota woke up and said, no mommy, no. She also suffocated her as well as the rest of her children, except for Diane, Diana. <laughs> Diana said her mother told her she loved her and asked for forgiveness before cutting her. Martinez told the girl she was going to the sky to see Jesus. And Diana cried and told her mother she didn't want to go see Jesus. After Diana had been cut, her mother brought her into the bedroom 
where her husband was sleeping to show him what had happened. When Romero tried to get help, Martinez, Isabel, stabbed him. Diana said that Isabel, her mother, was not crying or screaming as she stabbed her family. She then placed all the bodies in the same room before police came so everyone could be together, she said. She never admitted to hurting her family, the report says. She will accept it if she is found guilty, but she knows she is not guilty because she wouldn't be this calm about it. That's what she told a caseworker. When police spoke to Martin Romero's cousin, Griselda Romero, she told investigators she had heard Isabel say she would bring her father back by any means possible and was waiting for a signal to do his will. And this is where the, when they were playing in the ocean where she felt that dark entity, that's where she felt the signal. She said she had promised her children to an evil force. Johanna Busio, Martin Romero's niece, said Isabel had made statements about wanting to offer her children to God in exchange for bringing her father back. Mart Martinez's niece, Edith Romero, told investigators that four days before the murders, she told the family she was going to to sleep everyone in the house. Finally, after hearing all this from the police, Isabel Martinez admitted killing her husband and children. According to the report telling investigators, and she says this in Spanish, soy culpable de todos los cargos and yo no soy inocente. So in English, she said, I am guilty of all the charges, and I am not innocent. The report said she also wanted salvation for her whole family and to go to the other life, and believed what she did was correct. She told detectives she loved her family with all of her heart, and in her 911 call on the day of the attack, said she thought she and her family were going to the heavens. During the interview, detectives had to end it when Martinez began to have trouble staying in the present mentality. And once detective noted, she displayed a distinct change in her mental clarity from, beginning, from the beginning of the interview. The prosecutor said, I've never worked a case like this. When Isabel entered the court, she was smiling and making weird gestures with her hands. She stood up in court and knelt down as if to pray and then spread her arms out to her sides like a cross. When Thorpe, the judge on the case, said she had a right to an attorney, Isabel replied through a Spanish language interpreter that she doesn't want one. 
She later added that her attorney will always be the people that we're fighting for and her faith. You are the hope of the world, each one of you, she said in Spanish, appearing to address the news cameras. It doesn't matter what color you are because God loves us all. For me, the hope and the attorneys are always going to be the people and my faith. Those are my attorneys. That is why I'm here. Nothing else matters. I am representing the people that are humble, hardworking, the people who suffer, and those who have a lot of charges so they understand everything is possible with God. A year later, a judge sentenced Martinez to life with the possibility of parole for the murder charges, plus 21 years for the remaining counts to be served concurrent. Isabel said she didn't regret anything. She claimed she did it so her family could achieve ultimate salvation. She also claimed that she sent her family to heaven because she loved them with all her heart. And all she wanted was for all of them to go to the heavens. For me, this case is a little different than some, because uh, usually women don't stab anybody. They usually don't use the knife or a gun. They usually use, um, they drown them or they poison people. And for her to use a knife is very aggressive. Uh, it's something that a uh, man would do. And it, it's bloody. I mean, think about it. It's very, very bloody. And for her to go through this, the only thing that I can think of is that she was sacrificing. Like the Aztecs or the Mayans back in the day, she was sacrificing these kids for God. And the way to do that was by stabbing them. Now, back in the day, they would take out the hearts. Nobody said anything about that. She just stabbed them and tried to kill them, or she did kill them, with the exception of Diana. This case reminds me a lot of an episode I did on season one of the demon inside Claudia Nadia Rodriguez. She also stabbed her son several times. She was trying to kill him. Luckily, the police got there and she wasn't able to to finish what she had started, thank God. But again, this was a stabbing. And it's just kind of unique, like I said, because statistically, women don't stab. They would probably drown their kids. So for me, maybe this is the same demon. Maybe it's a male demon who feeds off of the, you know, uh, these women by killing their kids. Also, could this have been a sacrifice? to get her father back. And here's a question that's been bothering me. If she would have killed Diana, would that have brought her father back? Would she have been happy about it? Keep in mind, she actually cut her own wrists. 
So, was she planning on dying? Some of this stuff, it doesn't make sense. And then everything that she did in court, I'm assuming that the demon had left and she just became crazy. I mean, how else would you live with the fact that you killed your kids and your husband that you love so much? Could this be a demon inside? Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see y'all next week. Take care. Don't forget to subscribe to the Demon Inside podcast on any podcast platform. A new episode of the Demon Inside will be released every week. Let us know what you think of the episode on all our social media platforms. If you have any questions or comments, go to the Demon Inside podcast at gmail.com or click on the link down below. We would love to hear from you. And to become a Demon Insider, go to our website, thedemoninsidepodcast.com. We thank you for listening and hope you will join us next week for a new Demon Inside podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends. I am John Venom, and I'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was written and created by James Porter. It is a production of Venomous Entertainment. Background music is by Lucas King. And the title song, Demon Inside, was produced by Rice Pober, composer lyricist Peter Shelley, and performed by Conjure One.